This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. The title of today's message is called Keep Going. If you're joining us online today, I'd encourage you to put aside any distractions, anything going on in the house for just a minute because I believe that if we give the Lord our best right here in this moment, that he will speak to us. That no matter who you are, what's going on in your life today, that if you come into this place and you say, Lord, I need something from you today, I believe that he will give it to you. So the title of today's message is called Keep Going. I had a dog once. Um, you know when you go to those premarital classes and you talk about all the things that you will do or won't do or you expect out of marriage or you don't expect? You, you know, I think I remember like one of the lines being, uh, we'll never have a dog being in there when I signed the contract with my wife. Um, but for some reason, a couple years into our marriage, my wife started looking at puppies on the internet. And I, I remember this talk because neither one of us, I, some of you guys are not going to like me. I promise I'm a pastor and I love people, but animals, not much, so much my thing. We had this conversation going on about we'll never have a dog. And I just, we had this firm conviction, we will never have a dog. But I would come home from work and my wife would be looking at, you, can, you know you can look for puppies on Craigslist? And she's on Craigslist looking for puppies on the internet. I'm like, no, honey, we're not getting a dog. Turn that off. It's dangerous. And uh, sure enough, I go to work. And as I go to work, I start getting text message of pictures of cute little puppies and emails of puppies. Honey, we are not getting a dog. We will never get a dog. You see, I was young in marriage at that time, okay? There's a lot I didn't know, guys. And, uh, and uh, so one day I find myself standing in the parking lot at Walmart at 10 o'clock paying way too much money for the manliest dog God ever made, a multi-poo. <laughs> a three-pound multi-poo. Now, I just want to let you know I learned a lesson, and if you've heard this once, you've heard it a hundred times, and that is this. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. You see, I was firmly convinced that we would never have a dog. I started with the resolute conviction that that would never be me, but it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. So I decided I needed to finish this. <laughs> oh, here's where you're not going to like me. This dog was a terror, I promise, okay? Um, so I do have a heart, but you see, this dog would just, it was crazy. And, and I prayed, and I got all the theological conviction I ever needed out of this dog, 100% proof that not all dogs go to heaven, and this dog was one of those dogs. And uh, I remember it was the end of a long summer. I've been working camps, working late, working 100 kids every day. And at the end of the summer, it was my first day to sleep in. And at 5 a.m., this dog is going berserk. And I'm thinking, I said, dear Lord, uh, please find a new home for this dog. Uh, that day I go to Home Depot. I'm walking through Home Depot. You can take your dog, even if it's not manly. And I'm walking through Home Depot. And the lady who works there comes up, gets down on her knees and looks at the dog and says, this dog is so cute. And I said, he's even sweeter. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. I said, would you like him? And she says, yes. I called my wife. I said, honey. She said, yes. And that's the last time I saw that dog. We gave our dog away. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, man, I don't like this guy already. But it's... It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. <laughs> you know, sometimes in our life, 
we start with a resolute, firm conviction that we will be strong. And then sometimes some things happen. You know, sometimes when we come to church, we leave and we feel stronger. But by the time we get to the end of the week, we feel like, man, that's not what I had in mind. You see, sometimes we say yes to Jesus for the first time, and there is a joy, a strength about us that we think will never fade. But then life hits. And we begin to wonder, how in the world do I finish stronger than I started? There's a guy in the Bible, his name is David, and in Psalm 51, he prays one of the most profound prayers. And I love the words that he says. It's some of my favorite words in Scripture. David, the psalmist, he writes and he says, Dear Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore. I love that word. Restore. He's saying, Lord, bring back what has been lost. You see, for David, there are some things along the way that had happened. In fact, he was in some very troubling situations in his own life. He had made some decisions he wished he hadn't have made. He had been to some places he wished he wouldn't have been. And now he's saying, Lord, I don't know how I got here. But will you restore what's been lost? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Sounds a lot like a prayer that says, Lord, please, I am begging you, help me finish this race stronger than I started it. Because life happens. You know, sometimes in life we get derailed by a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are easy to get derailed by. We can get derailed by discouragement. Everyday life discouragement. It doesn't have to be anything big. It can be the little things of everyday life, some unmet expectations, some things we had hoped would go a certain way and don't, can provide a little bit of discouragement in our life that would attempt to derail us. If it's not discouragement for you in your life, maybe it's some distractions. Maybe you had every intention of making the most of quarantine and all the extra time that you had to spend with your family, and yet even still you found new ways of being distracted. You see, we can often get derailed by some of the smallest distractions in our life that are screaming the loudest. It's easy to get derailed by distractions, but sometimes it's easy to get derailed by discomfort. We find ourselves in an uncomfortable situation. Maybe some challenges or problems just don't feel quite right in your life. There's lots of things that we can get derailed by, but let me tell you, when I read in the Bible, here's what I love. I love that the most successful people in the Bible were not perfect. I love that in the Bible, as you read it, it's full of a bunch of people who didn't get it right the first time. And yet there's something, there's this common theme that unites the characters throughout the Bible. And that is this sense that they are convinced that if they keep going, that if they keep praying, and if they keep believing, that they will be stronger than they've ever been. You see, it's not people who know all the answers to the problems of life that get it right. It's the people who are convinced that in the midst of those problems, they will refuse to do anything but keep praying. They will refuse to let go of their belief and their faith. They refuse to quit or give up along the way. Today we're going to talk about a guy in the Bible. His name is Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6 in just a minute. But before we get going, I just want to fill you in on Nehemiah's life. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we read that Nehemiah and the people of God, they were in exile. In other words, they were kicked out of their homes. It's worse than being quarantined. They were kicked away from their homes. They find themselves in trouble. And how many of you know that in the middle of trouble, sometimes you find more trouble? In the middle of some of your problems or setbacks or failures, 
it seems like more come finding you. And here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah learns of some bad news. He says, the people back in our home in the city of Jerusalem, you see the wall has been torn down. It's destroyed. It's falling apart. The people there are in great trouble and shame. Nehemiah hears this news. Much like some of the news maybe you heard this week or last year that has haunted you or caused some pain or some grief inside of your heart. And the Bible says that Nehemiah sat down on the ground and he wept and he mourned for days. See, sometimes life has a way of derailing us. But what I love about Nehemiah is that he had this firm, resolute conviction that in the midst of some of his hardest moments, he would do something. He would pray. The Bible says that Nehemiah sat down on the ground, he wept and he mourned, but he didn't stay there. The Bible says that he got up and he prayed. He made the decision, I will pray in these moments when it matters the most because I need more than anything in my life for God to help me in this moment. The Bible says Nehemiah prayed and it gave him a strength. So much strength that Nehemiah made the decision, God is calling me to do something about the trouble that we're facing. So Nehemiah gets a group of people together. He's standing before the king, and what happens is this. The king says, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Actually, the Bible says there's a sadness of heart about Nehemiah. You ever had a sadness of heart? I, I equate it a lot to what sometimes we see pervasive over our culture today is there can be this sadness of heart. The king looks at Nehemiah and says, what's wrong with you? You ever been in the midst of your trouble or problem or situation or failure or setback? Somebody asks, what's wrong with you? And you think, if only you knew. If only you knew. But instead of doing that, Nehemiah says this. He says, I prayed to the Lord to give an answer to the king. You see, Nehemiah didn't know what to say to the king, so he prayed. And when he prayed, he got the words that he could say to the king, and the king gave him favor. In fact, the Bible says that the good hand of his God was upon Nehemiah, and the king granted him favor, sent him to rebuild the wall. So Nehemiah is out rebuilding the wall. Just when you think it's good, it gets hard again. You see, Nehemiah goes to rebuild the wall. Things are great, right? The favor of God is upon him, and the king has given him provisions to go rebuild the wall. The people are gathered, they're excited, and they're building. And in the middle of that, they meet opposition. They meet opposition. And people come up against them and say, Nehemiah, you're never going to make this. Nehemiah, you're never going to do this. Nehemiah, you should just quit while you, while you can. But Nehemiah does something that is so profound. The Bible says that Nehemiah prays this very simple prayer. You can read it in Nehemiah 1, 2, 4, and 6. Here's what it says. Nehemiah prayed, Lord, God, would you strengthen my hands? He prays a simple yet profound prayer that gives him the strength to keep going in the moments when he would need it the most. He prayed to the Lord. Can I encourage you today that now more than ever, we have to keep praying. Now more than ever, we have to keep praying because here's what prayer does. Prayer gives us the strength to see things from God's perspective. When we pray, it allows us to, to step outside of ourselves for a moment to see things the way that God sees them. So we read and we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 6. Here's what it says. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 8 through 12. Then I sent to him. They're being persecuted. Okay, there's opposition coming against them. People are spreading rumors about them with malicious intent. 
No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. They are making up lies about the people of God. For all they wanted to do was frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. Listen to Nehemiah's prayer. But now, Nehemiah prays, O God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went to the house of Shemamiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel. Yeah, you try reading that out loud in front of a bunch of people. (laughs) Who was confined to his home. He's on quarantine. He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Nehemiah, you set out to do a good work and now these people are out to get you. They're going to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I should go into the temple and live? I will not go in. Verse 12, here it is. And I understood and I saw that God had not sent him, but that he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Here's what happened. Nehemiah saw right through the plot of the enemy because he had prayed. Because he had prayed for the strength of God, he was able to see the plot of the enemy that was coming out against him. You ever feel like you get kicked when you're down? Here's the thing. Nehemiah knew in this moment, this advice was not that good. You see, uh, actually, uh, a couple years ago when I first got here, uh, one day we got a kid banging on the front doors of the church. And uh, he had been bullied on his bus at school, and he got off the bus, and he didn't want to walk home with the kids. So he came running to the doors of the church. He starts pounding on the doors, a six-year-old pounding on the door. What's going on? These kids are bullying me. Uh, Well, why'd you come here? I didn't know anywhere else to go but go to the church. Right? A six-year-old. Here's the thing. In the middle of trouble... People are out to kill me. You know where I'm going? I'm going to the church. Makes perfect sense, right? Here's what the guys are telling Nehemiah. They say, Nehemiah, go hide in the church. Run to the church, the temple. Go hide in there. Sounds like good advice. People are after me. I'm going to go hide. You know what? Nehemiah understood, he realized, and he saw that their advice may have been good advice, but it wasn't godly advice. You know there's a difference? You know there's a difference between good advice and godly advice? All of God's advice is good, but not all good advice is God. Google has a lot of good advice. YouTube has a lot of good advice, even from six-year-olds making their own videos on YouTube, but not all good advice is godly advice. You see, when we make the decision that we're going to keep praying, no matter what's going on around us, it gives us the ability in the moment when we need it the most to discern between good and God. We have to keep praying. The second thing we have to do now more than ever is we have to keep believing. You're standing up against a challenge. You're standing up against a threat. Jobless, your your home situation, some things are changing in your family. You're not sure what to do in that moment. You have to. To keep believing. You see, Nehemiah knew that the good hand of his God was upon him. In fact, he went around telling people, we're going to go rebuild this wall, and guess what? We will prosper. He had this conviction about him that God was on his side, giving him the strength that they needed to complete the task that it was at hand. 
In other words, to Nehemiah, because of his belief, it didn't matter what happened around him. His circumstances didn't have the final word because he already knew what his God had said. And his God had said that he would prosper. You see, here's what happens when we keep believing. When we keep believing, it gives us the strength to live for a greater purpose. Nehemiah had such a trust in the Lord that he was able to live for things beyond himself. And the Bible says they rebuilt that wall and they prospered just as God had said. But here's the challenge. Oftentimes in our life when trouble hits us, things begin to shake. It's easy to waver. If we're honest with ourselves, we like to say that we trust in the Lord, but the question this morning is, do we trust in the Lord? Not, not just trust, do we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, with everything that's inside of us? There's another guy in the Bible, his name is Abraham. I, in pastor school, they tell you not to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to jump stories on you. There's a guy in the Bible named Abraham, he's 100 years old, and God had promised him that he would have a child. That he would be not just a child, the father of many nations. See, Abraham knew the promise that God had said. But as he looked around him, he said, I'm a hundred, I don't have any kids. But the Bible says something about Nehemiah. He didn't waver. He didn't waver. See, even when what he was looking at didn't look like what the promise was, he had a strength about him. Why? Because he kept believing. Romans chapter 4, a very powerful passage as it talks about Abraham. In verse 18 it says this, In hope Abraham believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. Here's what he says about him. Abraham, he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which happened to be as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of his wife Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. As he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was in fact able to do everything that he had promised. I love what it says about Nehemiah. He did not, or Abraham, he did not waver. The same was true of Nehemiah. He did not waver. I want to show you a picture of the cutest human being you've ever seen. Don't worry, it's not a picture of me, okay? Here it is. Okay, this is my baby girl. She is one years old, and she just had her birthday a month or two ago, and uh, she's eating her first sugar ever. The picture is cute, but after that, it wasn't so cute. Here's the thing. When she started to learn how to stand, she would stand up, and she didn't know how to walk. She didn't have anywhere to go. And so she would often stand, and wherever she was, she would do this thing with me that I thought made me the best dad in the world. And so she would stand up, she would throw her arms out, and I would catch her as she fell into me. And dads, you know, we have this thing going with our daughters. I got this eye look. I know she's only one, but it's there, okay, people? And she's looking me in the eye, and I can just tell she's about to go. So we'd be on the bed, and she'd fall off, and I'd catch her. She'd be on the couch. She'd stand up. I'd catch her. One day I'm in the kitchen doing the dishes, which is open to the living room. And I look out across into the living room and I meet eyes with my baby girl. And instantly I knew what those eyes meant. Baby girl opened her arms straight to the floor. And that was the story of the first time dad ever messed up. 
Just kidding. Instantly, she hit the floor. Here's what I love. She didn't waver. See, in her mind, at one years old, she had a firm conviction that every time I do this, my dad is there to catch me. Every time I stand up and fall, my dad will catch me. She did not waver. Can I tell you something? We can't waver. We have to trust. And here's the good thing. I may not be a superhero dad, but we serve a superhero God. I may not be able to be there for her when she needed it in that moment, but he is, and he always will be. So the Bible says when you keep believing, no matter what it looks like around you, despite the fact that I was on the other side of the counter and had a lot of hurdles to overcome to get hurt, no matter what it looks like or feels like around you, if you keep believing, God is faithful, he is true, he is good, and he will be there for you every time. Number three, now more than ever, we have to keep going. Now more than ever, we have to keep going. When we make the decision in the middle of our challenges and our trials and our setbacks that we will keep going, it gives us the strength to persevere in the moments when we need it the most. When I was in junior high, uh, I went out for track. Eighth grade, everybody went out for track because nobody got cut. And uh, it was my peak track career year right there. Um, And there's something about a junior high boy when he gets tall tube socks and short running shorts that makes him think he's faster than he really is. So one day I got home and I got out of the car and my dad, I said, Dad, I can beat you. He looked at me and said, explain what you mean. I said, I'll I'll race you right now and I'll beat you. He said, watch this. See, my dad was a lot bigger than me. He was out of shape. I hadn't seen him run my whole life, so... (laughs) I thought for sure that I would win. So I said, okay, Dad, let's, let's just run to the end of this little street right here. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. If we're going to do this right, we're going to run to the end of the block at the end of the neighborhood. Whatever. I take off running. See, the only problem was this. I was used to running short races. And so I told my dad, Dad, I, I got this. I got you. Like, don't worry. I'm going to beat you. See, what I didn't know at the time was that my dad has a determination to to win. There's an endurance, a perseverance about him that will win. He may not be able to win in the short race, but he sure can win in the long race. So you know who won that day. It wasn't me. See, here's the thing. There's a perseverance. doesn't matter how fast you start if you don't finish. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 and verse 39 says this. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We have to make the decision in our life to keep going, to persevere And here's how we do that. We have to make the choice to not sacrifice the things that seem to be the most important for things that seem merely important. Here's what I mean. Nehemiah made this decision. I am working on the the walls of Jerusalem for my God. 
My God has called me, and I will not quit no matter what happens. And we pick up the story here in in chapter 6, verse 3. It says, and I sent messengers to these guys saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them the same way every single time. Why? Because Nehemiah knew that he could not sacrifice what was most important for the things that merely seemed important. Nehemiah, come down off the wall. No. Honey, can I have a puppy? No. (laughs) Nehemiah, come down off the wall. No. Four times Nehemiah replied the same way. Why? Because he knew I have to keep my hands at exactly what God has called me to do. I will keep going. And when things around me get tough and things around me get difficult and things try and derail me, I will make the decision to say something that is actually one of the hardest words we could say in the human race. No. No. Here's my question today. What in your life do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to the things that God has called you to do? Think about this for a second. If you realized that if You said no to something right now. What if that no is the very no that allowed you to cross the finish line one day? When I, uh, uh, earlier this year, I uh, actually went to the doctor at the beginning of the year. And when I went to the doctor, um, they found uh, a tumor on my neck that was a little bit smaller than a golf ball. And I, I went to the doctor, and this was right before quarantine, and about the time that we had done the biopsies and, and found out what was going on, they shut down all elective surgeries. And so for the next three months, I knew that I had a tumor in my neck and that it wasn't coming out just yet. And I remember thinking to myself, I know that God is with me. I know that God is a healer. I know that God will help me. And for about three months, I was fine, honestly. I wasn't nervous. I slept. I was confident. God is my healer. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know how to do this, right? A week before the surgery, uh, back in May, I went to the doctor and the doctor said, now here's what I want you to know before we do the surgery. He said, around the tumor are wrapped all the nerves that are attached to your mouth, which could affect your speech. And then he said, what do you do? (laughs) He said, I talk a lot. And in that moment, I wavered. I wavered. Can I be honest? Life is hard. Some of you know that all too well. But you know what? When you keep praying you keep believing, and you keep going, he's faithful. Thankfully, they took it out. They, they did the rest of the tests, and it's completely cancer-free, and no radiation, nothing else. But can I encourage you today? He is good. The problems you are facing, they may be hard, but he is stronger. What if you knew something out of Mark chapter 11 before we close? Mark chapter 11, it says this, have faith. The person that has faith and he 
staring at the mountain that's standing in front of him, says to that mountain, mountain, be cast into the sea. And in his heart, he does not doubt, but he is firmly convinced that God can do everything that God says he can do in your life. He did it for Nehemiah. He did it for Abraham. He did it for me. He can do it for you. Will you bow your heads and pray with me today? God, I pray for everyone who is watching or listening right now, who's going through a storm, a challenge, a setback, a failure. They're standing in front of a mountain. Lord, I pray that right now they would have the strength to come to you and keep praying even when it's hard. Lord, to keep believing that you are a healer, that you are good, that you do have good things for your children, Lord, and that they would keep going that they wouldn't quit. Job or no job, pandemic or no pandemic, money or no money, child problems or no child problems, they would keep believing and keep going because we know that you are that good and that faithful. And so today we come to you, Lord, and we make a declaration with our lives that we will keep going no matter what is standing in front of us because we know that you kept going for us. Right now I wanna pray for anybody who has never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you've been wavering. In your heart, you know this race has slowed down for you. And you feel like there's no way I can finish as strong as I started. Today, there is a way. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. If you've never made that decision or you want to come back to him right now, you can pray this prayer with us. Would you do that? Whether you're watching online in your living room, home alone, or with your family, You can pray this prayer, and I promise you that God will be with you and for you, and he will help you. Let's pray this together. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and that God raised you from the dead. So right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. God, we pray for every person right now who feels like quitting or giving up. May today be a word for them to keep going. It's worth it. God, we love you. We pray a blessing over everybody watching and everybody live today. We just ask, Lord, that you would be with them this week, that they would keep praying, keep believing, and keep going. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.